Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of In the Flat Podcast. This week's title is Hawkeye Down. And that is, of course, because number two team in the land, Iowa Hawkeyes, were upset by Purdue, my alma mater, this weekend. Um, this is also Jordan's team. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, Jordan. Um, last week was a little lighter in action, so we'll go into some of the, the bigger matchups of the season and talk about some of the good contests. And we'll also touch on some of the things that we, we think about the season and the halfway point. So with that, let's jump into Purdue at Iowa. So Purdue won 24 to 7. So wasn't even a close ball game. We we really expected, I think, more out of this game. Thought of, I thought Iowa would, you know, win by 10 or 14 points, but I think that Iowa offense finally caught up to them. So Jordan, what happened to your team? Um, their offense. That's what happened. I mean, uh, no team, no team, especially trying to make the playoffs, um, can make it just with a defense that can carry them. And uh, it showed during this game. Um, the uh, another thing is, you know, when you play another Big Ten school, no matter what school it is, unranked, ranked, um, it's always a hard fought game. I mean, most Big Ten schools, as much as you're playing Illinois, um, are hard to beat. Um, so just their offense, their offense looked bad. They had four uh, interceptions, uh, barely could rush the ball, barely could pass the ball. And Purdue just uh, showed that they're the better team. Um, I think after this game, I can see uh, why a lot of people thought Iowa was overrated. And uh, it showed during this game and Purdue's defense uh, going into this game only allowed about eight touchdowns. So their defense was played spectacular against this game. So against Iowa. And I don't think they went into this game thinking, uh, thinking they were better. And it really showed. And I think Iowa went into this game thinking that they could beat any team with their defense and they, they came up short. So, yeah, you know, I think the, the biggest reason for that is David Bell for Purdue um, had 11 receptions for 240 yards. And this is his third season in a row. He's just a junior. His third season in a row, 2019, 13 receptions, 197 yards and a touchdown last year, 13 receptions, 121 yards and three touchdowns and then 11 receptions and 240 this year so he he loves playing Iowa and those those that defense there I you know I think he's just an elite athlete um and, and you know really this comes out and, and plays well against his team I think part of Iowa's issue also was I think they were down a starter in the, in the cornerback so their um, their defense took a little bit of hit from that and I think it kind of showed in the game and then their offense wasn't able to make up for it um Spetzer Petras to your point four interceptions just really looked like Luckily, they couldn't get anything going. Uh, Purdue kind of just owned this game with um, Aiden O'Connell, 375 yards, two touchdowns. This is not the same Aiden O'Connell I, I never seen in a Notre Dame game when I watched that. He looked a lot better, a lot smoother, and, you know, just really controlled the, the, the game here. And, um, you know, they, they actually did pretty well running a three-quarterback system in this game, running quarterbacks in and out. And I fought it really through Iowa and their defense off a bit as well. So, overall, good game. Um, ben, do you have any thoughts on this one? You know, I, I really thought the uh, Purdue quarterback just kind of had the game of his life as well. I, everything you guys said was true. But Iowa got pressure with their front four, and Iowa was, was hanging in there on those pass routes. 
But the Purdue quarterback was just putting the ball on, his mo- on the money to some of these receivers. And it's kind of like he just had the game of his life. I, 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 also, on that, this was Purdue's uh, highest ranked team they beat since 1974. And the last, the team they beat was number two, Notre Dame. I don't know if that's true, Jordan. I, I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but um, um, they just beat um, a prep a pretty highly ranked number two, Ohio State, this 2018, I believe, 2018, um, I believe. Yeah, so, but they have, yeah, that too, but that was, yeah. Actually, I read this, I read, a, I read a pretty, a pretty. On the road, no, this was on the road. The first time, the mm-hmm. highest ranked team to be on the road. That makes sense. Yeah, because I know I was reading something somewhere where I think they they're one of the top rate. You know, they they had the most victories over a top two team over the last like 30, 40 years where it's like 13 is some crazy number. They've um, they do good against this this kind of situation. Now, if they can just do this against the rest of the, the college football landscape, I think they would be they'd be doing some things. Maybe this is their start in the right direction. We'll see how they go the rest of the year. But um good good win by purdue you know iowa has to recover recover really quickly um they don't really play anyone like a purdue but you know the, wisconsin could give them problems because they play very similar to purdue so um, we'll see how that goes in, in that upcoming game um let's talk a little bit about oklahoma state and texas so coming into this ball game you know i felt like um it was going to be a tough fall game obviously we knew coming in that oklahoma state has a really good defense but a lacking offense, but Texas, on the other hand, you know, can give up some points, but really scores a lot of points as well. Uh, but the final score in this one was Oklahoma state winning this one, 32 to 24. Um, you know, it really, I think it really came down to the, the fact that they just, they just really took over the game in the second half. So Ben, you know, did you, I think you checked this one out. What were your thoughts on this one? This was a fascinating game. We knew it would be. We knew it would be close. We were all kind of leaning Texas, but we were well aware that Oklahoma State could, could kind of do what they did. The interesting part about this game was the Cowboys were up seven uh, – sorry, not the Cowboys. Uh, the Longhorns were up 17-3 to three in about midway through the second quarter. Had they gone to finish the drive that they were on, they could have blown this game completely out of the water. Oklahoma State gets, I think it's an 85-yard pick six completely changes the momentum of the game. And, and what that really allowed Oklahoma State to do was instead of trying to pass their way back in from down, say, seven, uh, 20 to three or, or something like that, they could continue to run the football. They could continue to play the kind of defense they like to play. And like you just said, Tony, when the second half came around, uh, while it was a little bit back and forth, Oklahoma State was able to play the way they wanted to play. And that is defense and that is running the football. 220 yards rushing. They win the tur- turnover battle two to one. And by the time the fourth quarter came around, they, they, they kind of just put the gas to the pedal and, and, and finished Texas off. Big win for Oklahoma State and huge come behind, come from behind from what they were in the first quarter, second quarter. No, I agree. You know, I thought um, to your point, I mean, Texas, very similar start to what they had against Oklahoma last week. They started off right. strong, had a huge lead, and then they fell apart. And I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but the thing with Texas is they're really a boomer bus offense. So they'll score a lot of points quickly, but then they'll go a long period of time without scoring. And if you combine that with Oklahoma state's defense, 
you run into some trouble. I did want to call out, you know, Bazan Robinson for Texas had another good game, 135 yards, rushing two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, he's just stifled in that second half. They could have get it going. Um, I thought Oklahoma State's offense still lacked. I mean, Spencer Sanders only threw 178 yards, right. a touchdown, uh, but they really didn't need him to. I mean, they, like you said, they had, they had over 220 yards rushing, 193 yards by Jalen Warren. So really good performance by him. And, you know, I, I'm interested to see what Oklahoma State does next. I mean, they have a really good defense, but, um, you know, will they be able to score enough? I kind of see them in the Iowa vein where they're really good on that defense. Right. That offense is going to come back and buy them, I think, one day. What, what, do, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, you're on it. Sorry, Jordan, with that passing thing. Um, <laughs> they have not yet shown this year that they can pass the football with any kind of consistency. And while you may pull that off against Texas, you're not going to pull that off the entire year against the entire schedule. Sorry, Jordan, go ahead. Yeah, uh, same, yeah. what Ben said, it's going to be – it could be – I can see another Iowa happening where they come into a team that has a, a, a better team and lose just because of their offense. Also, okay. to point out, it was the first time Oklahoma State scored in the third quarter this whole season. Wow. That's really? big. <laughs> that is big. Uh, it was only a field goal, but they scored. That's terrible. Thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> That's good for them. They're making progress, I guess, right? So, yeah, big, uh, big. Um, all right, moving ahead here, Georgia and Kentucky. So, I think Georgia got their toughest opponent of the year so far. I don't know if that's saying much, but they won thirty to thirteen. Um, you know, put up a fight for a little while. I thought both defenses played pretty well. Now, when you look at Georgia's rushing, they they only ran they ran for one hundred fifty yards, which sounds like a lot, but it's a lot lower than they usually do, and they had. Had to get five players to combine for that. And Kentucky, they had six players and only only got 51 yards rushing. So defense, you know, rushing was a was a premium. They weren't able to get much going on both sides. Jordan, what do you what do you think of this game? You know, Georgia continuing to be the real deal there. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's still continuing to be a real deal. Um, like you said, it was probably their biggest uh competition they have they had this so far this year. Um Kentucky's rushing offense has been outstanding this whole year um they're and like you said Kentucky's rushing rush defense played great I mean they held them to probably one of the lowest rushing yards for them especially Georgia actually passing the ball um the biggest thing I saw is Kentucky's uh secondary got burnt all game um every receiver that caught the ball had over 15 yards in average that uh for Georgia so, I mean, that was the biggest uh, takeaway, I feel like. And that's the biggest thing and probably the most scary thing for any team that has to face Georgia is that they might have found their pass game and their offense might actually pick it up a lot more. And, yeah, it was only 30 points, but they did play a Kentucky team that could actually is actually a decent. So seeing Georgia actually have offense more than defense was uh, – kind of terrifying to see yeah you know i was surprised too with stetson bennett running the show still for the third week in a row with jt daniels being out he immediately looked pretty good 250 yards free touchdowns i think he's the typical you know game manager but i think it's all georgia needs right now i will say you know they're gonna play florida soon and i think that's where they're gonna have to score some points and i don't know if stetson bennett will still be the quarterback at that point but you know, I would say they probably need to get JT Daniels ready because I don't know if he's going to be able to beat Florida with, you know, his limited um, offensive capabilities. But we'll, we'll see how that goes when, when that week gets here. 
We can talk about LSU beating Florida. And LSU had, what, six DBs out? Or Yeah. Well, we also it's, talk about that Florida started a wrong quarterback again, where Anthony Richardson should still should be the starting quarterback at Florida. Just, just throwing um, it out there. I'm just throwing it back at you. Um, you know, Anthony Richardson, you know, is this he he was dynamic when he came in the game. They were losing, you know, pretty good to LSU and they came in and tied it, took the lead. They just could have finished the job. You know, I think he'll, he'll need some more experience, but I think he's really dynamic play caller. They don't start him pretty soon. He will be in that transfer portal if you listen to his comments after the game. So, you know, I think it'll flip a challenge. I mean, Florida put up a challenge against Alabama. I feel like they could put up a challenge against anyone. I think they play up and down to the competition. So um, we'll see if they play up to the Georgia. That's always a battle there, you know, at the, at the biggest party of the year. Um, Oklahoma TCU is next. So uh, Oklahoma 52, TCU 31. I felt like this is your typical Oklahoma performance. Score a lot of points, give up a lot of points. Um, so it's kind of back to where they're used to be in Caleb Williams, you know, there are people already asking for him to be in a Heisman race. I think you got to hold your horses there, but he has 295 yards passing four touchdowns and 66 yards on the ground as well. So pretty dynamic performance by him. Um, you know, so Ben, you know, is Oklahoma back to their most old self? I think so. And I think you mentioned the magic words. It's Caleb Williams. I, I, I have a hard time based on what we saw for the first five or six games this year, thinking that Oklahoma was just going to wake up with Radler at quarterback. Caleb Williams has come in now for a game and a half and it is lighting up the scoreboard that, you know, is keeping the scoreboard guys busy. Now Oklahoma's going to give up a lot of points. They kind of sort of to me now starting to look a lot like Ohio state. Um, I'm not sure that Ohio state isn't going to give up a lot of points too, but when you're Ohio state or Oklahoma, either one, if you're, if you're able to just flat out outscore most of these teams, who cares? And then you take your chances when you get to the final four. Um, so Oklahoma looks fantastic. They do look like the Oklahoma that we're used to. I think you can give most of that credit to the insertion of Caleb Williams. He's kind of the gas that's lighting everything on fire here. Yeah, for sure. Are you worried at all about their defense? Because I, I feel like the typical yes. Oklahoma team, you know, <laughs> scores like right. this and gives up a lot of points and if they play like a Georgia that's I feel like that's going to be an issue right yeah, uh, yeah I am I am I, worried about the Oklahoma defense I'm worried about the Oklahoma defense especially when they go they go to Baylor and Baylor can score um and they're going to go they end the season off with Oklahoma State who has a a, a decent defense I think it's just going to be tough and on Ben's point I don't see Oklahoma being like Ohio State because Ohio State can score, but their defense can hold opponents that should be held to 20. What Which game are you talking about that they they didn't score? I mean, look at the they game after – what's that game after Oregon? Who did they play? Tulsa? Mm-hmm. 40 – but then uh, Akron, 59-7. to 7, Akron. Rutgers, 52-13. to Maryland, 66-17. to 17. Those are terrible but, teams. So Oklahoma. we don't know. I don't think we know what Ohio State is yet. I think um, I think they're really I think they're one of the best offenses in the country. But I feel like they played a tough Oregon team and they gave up a lot on offense. And then they followed that up with another terrible defensive performance a week after that. And then we haven't seen them play a good opponent since. So we'll see what but, happens if they play Penn State and Penn State's quarterback is back. And if they shut them out, then then we know their defense is back to where it should be. But I I just don't see to be able to compare the two just because. Oklahoma scored 16 points on a West Virginia team 
that scored 13 on them. Or Nebraska, 23 to 16. I know it's a different QB, and I think it's going to be a lot better. But I just don't see comparing them right well, now. If you compare those two games, it seems like the Oklahoma defense was doing really good because they kept those teams to low points, where Ohio State didn't in their games that were tough. You know, and I think that's where you have to look at now. They could be totally different. The young guys could have got experience against these really bad teams, and then they're good to go. But I, I still think, you know, we have to keep an eye on that because I feel like both teams are going to be hurt with their defense as they get towards that playoff, those playoff-type teams. But then again, there might not be a team like out there in, in the playoffs this year. You know, if Alabama gets knocked out or something, you know, that could take advantage of it. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I just don't see them compared like you guys are talking about. Well, I mean, that's why me and Ben's are experts here in, in, the, in the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Just, <laughs> um, speaking of Oregon, as we mentioned, Oregon here about their 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 win over Ohio State. Um, Oregon won twenty four to seventeen over Cal. It was a tough game, probably tougher than it should be, but I feel like every game from here on out is going to be tough for Oregon. Um, Anthony Brown, two hundred forty four yards again, another okay performance. Um, their backup who came in for, um, you know, their, their injured, their quarterbacks, their running backs out. Travis Dye did have a pretty good game, 145 yards rushing. Ben, what did you think of this game? Is is Oregon in trouble for this season, or was this a really just a good Cal team they are playing? Yeah, I, they're, they're in trouble. I, I don't necessarily think that precludes them from getting into the Final Four somehow. But there's no question the passing game struggled. Now, kind of a weird game. They struggled with California right from the get-go, but Anthony Brown actually had a decent first half. He was something like 10 of 13 for a buck 40 in the first half. Now, they weren't able to cash in, turn that into points, but passing-wise, you know, he, he was efficient. They weren't asking him to do too much in the passing, passing game, go too deep. He, he was getting his feet set. He, he, he looked pretty good in the first half. Then the third quarter comes, and he's, he's doing horribly. He's missing guys all over the football field. He's actually getting booed by the home crowd in the third quarter, they are begging uh, the Oregon uh, coaching staff to take him out of the game. And then the fourth quarter rolls around. You kind of see the Anthony Brown, who's kind of the playmaker again, and they, and they pull the game out. It almost looked like the Oregon Ducks were trying to throw the football in the first half just because they were playing California, and they wanted to show some other teams out there that they, they could do something else. Then in the third quarter, Oregon kind of started running the football again. And that was working for them on offense. That was creating more points and finishing off more drives. But Oregon, yeah, I, I think they got some problems. And I don't think it's going to be a magic fix. Depends on, you know, kind of week-by-week basis, really. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So we'll keep an eye on Oregon, especially when they go into their game next week. This UCLA should be a good test for them. Um, Jordan, you have something to say? Apparently, Oregon's going to have a lot of their injured players that they had this week, next week against UCLA. So I think that was a big big thing for Oregon this game yeah no we'll see I mean they've been kind of injured all year I know um Verdell's out though right he's out for the season I think so um you know but Dye look good so maybe if he's going to step up like that maybe they won't be as much trouble as we think they are um let's move ahead to Michigan State Indiana this was a big 10 game that's for sure it's uh you know pretty pretty ugly 20 to 15 victory by Michigan State um, you know, it looked like Michigan State was heading for their first loss when Indiana took the lead at halftime, but they were able to, to do enough in the second half to pull out the victory. So, Jordan, what did you say from this Michigan State team? Um, when they play an Indiana team that is not 
I mean, their record doesn't show that they're a good team, but I mean, their defense has not been horrible all season. And when you can hold the best running back in the nation right now and uh, Walker to only 84 yards, um, that's huge. And I think that was the biggest thing. I think um, Michigan State lives and dies by their rushing offense. And if they can't rush the ball, then it's going to be a slow burn game like this game. So yeah. I just uh, – Michigan State won, uh, but I just don't see them being a big threat for like uh, Michigan or Ohio State this year just because if a team can stop off or the rushing game, then Michigan State's kind of doesn't have anything off that. Yeah, and no, I could see like a Penn State really taking advantage of that, um, you know, uh, they're, they're with their defense. Michigan potentially, Ohio State, I'm not sure, um, just because of the defense, but we'll, we'll see. Um, they play next week, so we'll see. Oh, Indiana, they play Indiana, sorry, not Michigan State. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, Jordan's favorite player here, Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh won 28-7 over Virginia Tech. This Virginia Tech team – Looked a little beat down after their loss to Notre Dame the week prior. They just didn't feel like they had much left in the tank in this game, but they they um, never really had, never were firing. I mean, their, their quarterback, Braxton Burnmeister, only threw 134 yards. Just looked really bad. But Kenny Pickett had a nice solid performance of 203 yards, two touchdowns, really just dominating this game. So, Jordan, tell me about your guy. Just, you know, like you already said, you know, Virginia Tech was kind of, I feel like they were down. I mean, when you come out and beat a ranked team in the beginning of the season at home and then you lose to another game at home and now you have one of the better QB quarterbacks in the uh, in college football come home to um, it's just it's kind of hard to bounce back. So uh, but Kenny Pickett played great. I mean, probably one of the lower yardage games, but they ran the ball a lot. Um Pittsburgh had 208 uh, rushing yards. So that's that was probably the reason he was lower on the yards. But it, Kenny Pickett controlled the game from start to finish. So, I mean, that's what 28 to 7. There's not a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just wanted to mention him because he's your guy. He's, you know, getting some highs with love now. So we'll start adding him on there. And they have a tough game coming up against Clemson that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Alabama and Mississippi State. Um, so we, we, I think this is what we all expected 49 to 9 by Alabama. Um, pretty back to their dominating performance. Wasn't really much of a contest. I did want to point out Mississippi State had a whole negative one yard rushing in this game. So, you know, I don't know if that's where you could hang your head on if you're Mississippi State, but it's definitely a Mike Leach offense. You know, pass the ball a lot, don't care about anything else. So, um, Ben, Alabama, is it back? Is, is it marching towards the playoff? Yeah, I, I still think Alabama has a chance in this thing. I, I'm not yet convinced that Georgia's un, uh, you know, unbeatable and in, invincible. Alabama did what we expected them to do. They've got way more talent than Mississippi State this year. Maybe in two years it's different. But, we, you know, I love the negative one-yard rushing stat. It's kind of Mike Leach telling, telling Nick Saban, I don't care if I can run the ball or not. I, I can still compete. Well, they couldn't do it this game. But Mike Leach wouldn't care about running the football at all. And that's kind of his way of showing that, you know, Nick Saban probably wasn't going to allow them to run the football in this game anyway. But uh, Mississippi State just outmatched talent-wise here, Alabama coming in angry and focused. And I still think Alabama has a chance at the end of the year. We'll see. 
Yep. No, we'll see. I, I think um, to your point, I think they, you know, I don't know if they play anybody. Auburn may give up a pr- pretty good battle, but I don't really see anybody else beating them. But we'll we'll kind of see how they how they play. Their defense has been kind of hit or miss. So if they play somebody for good offense, right. it may be a maybe a challenge. Um, let's talk about some other happenings in college football. So um, Ed Orgeron at, was fired at LSU, but he will coach out the rest of the season. So what do you guys think about um, one? being fired after two years of winning the national championship. Was it the right call by LSU? And then two, would you have kept him on for the rest of the season or put an interim coach in place? So, sir, if you, Jordan, what are, you, what are your thoughts here? Um, the two-year thing, I see it. I mean, they want to build a team and they kind of slipped. I mean, they're, what are they now? Are they nine and eight since yeah. winning the, the championship? And I mean, that's, that's a big drop, you mean? No team, most teams don't drop that far after winning a, a national championship like they did and probably having the best college football season ever or one of the best college football seasons ever. Um, I like their call on not putting an interim coach in. I think um, it, it shows the players that LSU is invested in them because of you put an interim coach in, then it kind of – you're – your season's over if, because, you know, it's, an, it, it might be the same offense, but it's a different guy calling the offense or a different guy doing this. So it's kind of over yeah. with it all. So keeping him, I think that it was a good call for LSU to do that. So. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Ben? I was surprised they kept him. I don't have any problem with it. it it's just unusual. You don't, you don't usually see that too much anymore. That's something we used to see decades ago. You know, guys kind of announced that, hey, at the end of the season, you're gone. Um, so I was surprised. But the players love Ed Orgeron. Uh, in spite of what the media and, and the rest of us might think, uh, the fans, the players love him. So, you know, I, I too kind of think that's a good move. Um, but on the flip side of things, what we saw from Ed Orgeron the past two years is what I expected to see when they hired him in the first place. I, I thought we'd have, we'd have a guy – that the players would love, but probably have a little bit of organizational problems and just not be able to coach up the talent. And then they turn out, like Jordan said, one of the best teams we've ever seen in college football. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I was just wrong. But now two years later, nine and eight, it's not been good. If, if they were turning out 10 and two seasons, I'm sure he stays around, but they're not even close. And talent-wise, they, they shouldn't be meddling around with, with 500 like this. They should be way up there, way up the list, every single season, top 10, and they're just not even close right now. Yeah, you know, I, my only concern with him being an interim coach the rest of the year is he's still involved with recruiting, so recruits are still talking to him. And right. I, I feel like, you know, I know he, he won't badmouth the school because he loves the school and all, but, right. you know, I, I don't know if that's a great experience for recruits. You're being recruited by someone that's not there anymore. So I, I almost think, like, interim coach would be better in that regard if you put a future of the program. Not a but, president. It's good for the president of the program, obviously, to have him there. But I've already, you know, read some reports about, you know, some of the recruits talking to him and then not sure they they want to go. Or, you know, it's just a whole messy situation, you know. I don't think it's a really, you know, right or wrong way here. But it's just something that they probably considered all, all the different avenues uh, of it. But um, I think – the main thing that he probably got fired for is from, from my research, he, 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 he really, um, he tried to reach for a lot of sleepers in the recruiting world. And so a lot of two and three stars, but she should have to do at LSU. So, yeah. I mean, he hit on a lot of great, great players that are four or five stars. Cause they just want to come to LSU anyway. 
but I feel like he reached for some players he probably didn't need to reach for. And so the recruiting kind of got hit, which is not why you're seeing this. And then on top of that, his, his selections of coordinators was terrible um, the last couple of years. I think he got luck, luckily picking Joe Brady and lucky getting Joe Burrow in, and it was just like the right storm of things. So to your point, I think it was the right call. And, um, you know, I think they need to get someone in that's really dynamic on offense and, um, they always seem to lead towards somebody that's really good on defense, but they really need to get someone that will come in there and take advantage of the talent that they're getting at, at the quarterback and running back and in wide receiver area. Cause that's where they can really excel at. I think. The biggest thing with your uh, it's either you lose recruits from him being coach right now, or you lose recruits because no one's going to come talk to your interim head coach because they know he's not going to be there. True, unless you end up, you know, unless you say, hey, we're our interim coach is the defensive coordinator, whoever the coordinator is, and he's going to stay with the staff no matter what next year. That way, whoever you're talking to, you know, you're going to be talking to somebody on the staff, you know? Yeah, but usually kind of your your recruiting drops down after that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you could save recruiting at this point. I mean, they already had decommits, decommitments and everything. So, um, well, you know, let's have to keep an eye on it. But hopefully, um, you know, or on $17 million will, you know, keep him well at night. I think that he's getting so. Um, another big story from the weekend um, was a scene in Tennessee. I'm not sure if you guys saw that, but there was, um, there was trash, there was mustard bottles, there was golf balls hidden, um, Lane Kiffin. Uh, basically, it came down to there was a play that on um, four for 24 play, and they ended up getting like 23 and a half yards. They did not like the spot. They were upset with the reps. They were just throwing all this stuff out there. They're already mad at Lane Kiffin because he, he left him after one year, years ago. And so they just took all this emotions out in this game and they already been found, fined $250,000. So Ben, what did you think of the scene out there in, uh, in Tennessee? I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying this. It wasn't all the Tennessee fans. It wasn't even most of the Tennessee fans. Maybe it was three to 5,000 of them. But having said that, this was ugly. This is the first game Tennessee's played in quite a long time that meant anything to anybody. Um, They had a chance to win this game. Even after the debacle, they had a chance to win this game. And, and, you know, even if you lose, nobody wants to lose. Tennessee fans have been losing for a long time. They they really wanted to beat Lane Kiffin. They really wanted to win this game. They really wanted to show the nation that they were back. But even if you don't do that, you've got a lot of good, positive attention going on here. And recruits see that, hey, you know, Tennessee's still back to competitive, and then you end it with this garbage, this nonsense. And, and, and really, uh, this, this is just unnecessary. It's uncalled for. It's dangerous. They had to get the cheerleaders inside. They had to take some of the, the Ole Miss players and put them in the middle of the field where they, they were getting all this straightened out. Everybody sees this, and, it, and what you do, basically, these, these few Tennessee fans – you invite all the internet comments and you invite all the stereotypes about your fan base. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's sickening. It's garbage is what it is. And, and I don't know if recruits necessarily would be repulsed by this, but recruits parents would be. And, you know, that's how parents think. And and parents of recruits might say, I don't care where you go, but you're not going there. I'm not going to drive you there. I'm not going to fly with you there. You're not going to visit there. And so it, it could have an, a, an impact on the recruiting, but even if it doesn't, it's, a, it's an ugly scene. So I hated it. And again, it's not all the Tennessee fans, but there was enough there to make it look horrible and unnecessary. 
Yeah, you know, I don't know if you saw that, but they also uh, McCurl got injured in that game, and they they cheered when he got injured. Um, right. So I mean, you're adding a that's just a bad look for Tennessee fans. This is after the debacle where they try to hire Greg Shano and they they all threw a fit and they like you know went crazy for about a week until they made them change the decision. And there's just right. a lot of bad things happening with the Tennessee fan base, and I, I feel like they're really for a team that hasn't won but one title and like. A long time it feels like a really privileged team that should they fix they should be the number one team every year and that's right. not the case right now and they did this they just need to calm down i mean this is the football game you don't need to hurt anybody or you know you know try to do crazy things like this so it's just a shame to see um so before we get into next week's games let's talk about like is anything on your mind about where the midway point with many teams taking their by last week some taking their by so, you know, it was just, uh, it's just been a, you know, bad week. It's the middle of the year. What do you guys, any thoughts you want to talk about um, to, you know, that's happened this year or it's upcoming that you, you know, want to get on your mind this year? So, Ben, we'll start with you. I've got five things. I can't wait to get to the first one. The University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners, okay? They are now 7-0. and They have only been in existence for like 12 years as a football program at all. Forget coming from lower levels. They've only been in existence for 12 years, something like that. They have never won more than, I think, eight games in a season. If they win Saturday, that will be, that will be the best they've ever done with more games to go. They beat Rice 45 to nothing. They only allowed 102 total yards on the game. Not that Rice is anything special, but other teams have done much worse against Rice. So for the Roadrunners, uh, congratulations. You're on our radar. You're ranked. Um, big deal for them. Mountain West, Fresno State beats Wyoming uh, 17 to nothing. Jake Hayner, though, two weeks ago before the bye week, basically he threw two or three interceptions in the second half, lost the game to Hawaii that they were basically winning. He comes back this week, only throws 15 for 28, 96 yards. Not, not a good look for Jake Hayner. The coaching staff really needs to give some confidence back to him, encourage him to keep throwing the football all over the field. He will be good. Uh, Idaho loses to Eastern Washington 71 to 21. In that game, Eastern Washington quarterback Eric Barrier, 600 yards, 26 of 35 for seven touchdowns. Our podcast's favorite team, Presbyterian, loses again, unfortunately, 70 to 35 to Davidson. One punt, actually, by Presbyterian this week, but it was by oh. the quarterback. It was okay. by the quarterback. So apparently, they surprised the other team by punting with the quarterback. And um, I think that's it. So feel free to ignore all of that or talk about any of that. No, it's always, always good to hear the season. I thought that Eric, um, I'm probably going to miss a better age. I thought he was, um, I don't know if anybody's watched any of his games, but I was just looking at his stats. I mean, he's had like three to 500 yards in every single game. And it's just like on right. fire. So I don't know what his status is as far as transfer status but you know if i'm a team in the fbs looking for a quarterback maybe a graduate transfer i would definitely look at him and see if that's someone we could bring in because he obviously can throw the football very well and uh, you know he could probably help a team pretty quickly um right. so yeah um jordan you have anything any thoughts anything we missed for this season anything you want to call out um on ben's utsa roadrunners um their program started in 2009. Right. Yeah, 12 years. I'm just stating the year. <laughs> People might not be able to do math, all right? Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> stating the 
for those for those listeners that didn't do math, Jordan, actually, no, never mind. That for you. In 2011, they started their first season, <laughs> and they played their first game against Northeastern State on September 3rd in 2011. Who won that game? I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, you can't give us all the facts we're looking for, Jordan. But um, <laughs> the biggest, I think, the biggest thing that uh, shocked me this year, to, yeah, I have two. Um, Cincinnati being as kind of dominant as they are, uh, I didn't see it coming in this season. And now it's kind of, they look like a, a, a team that should be in a better conference than they are in this, in that sense. Um, another thing is Iowa state. I think they kind of, uh, I, I didn't think they were going to be great, but they've kind of had a worse season off than I thought they would. Didn't think they were going to be top 10, but at least ranked, but they kind of fell off. And, yeah, I, I well, obviously I was big on Iowa State to start the season. So I'm very dis, dis- and Indiana. Don't we got to talk about Indiana too. And man, did Indiana almost prove me right this weekend with that? That, that was they're a good team. They're a good team. It's just, I just don't think Michael Penix, so. I thought Michael Penix was going to be a lot better than he was. And obviously he's injured now. I don't know how long he's out. Um, but I feel like that's been hurting him. He just he hasn't been himself since his injury. So, and another thing is uh, another what three, four, five on no, six ranked teams lost this week. Seven ranked yeah. teams lost this week. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I you know I, I'm interested to see what the final rankings look like because. Um, I feel like this is going to be a year a potential like two loss team might get in. I don't know. We'll see how many losses, but um, a team that you, you may not you know think like with one loss right now, you may think they're out of the running. They might have a chance, you know, this the, the run the table get in there with one loss too. So um, I don't think it's any any guarantee that everybody that has lost has a loss or even two losses is totally out of it. So I, but, uh, I just want to throw a, a team out there, uh, San Diego State, undefeated. Just throwing it out there. SMU, which is going to be the biggest game for Cincinnati coming up that could really make or break their season. So. Yeah. No, I mean, SMU is good. I mean, they had to win that one game of a Hail Mary, I think, you know, so they have a little bit of struggles here or there, but I, we'll see how they do get Cincinnati. I mean, it's, that's always usually a pretty decent matchup. So um, I'm hoping it's a good game. I want somebody to test Cincinnati because obviously when they played Notre Dame, the quarterback situation was a mess. So I'm hoping they play somebody with a good quarterback. We'll see how those cornerbacks actually do. It gets a, it's a quarterback that can throw it all over the field. So I think, and I think they have that Tanner Mordecai there at SMU. Um, I think the thing that surprised me most this year is just the offensive line play all around the country. So once proud offensive line programs like a Wisconsin and Notre Dame and others are struggling. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with um, last year's COVID season. So, you know, you had a lot of uh, mispractices due to COVID where, you normally would be really preparing your young guys for the future, having, you know, 15, 20 practices in a week. And you really had to cut a lot of that out. You just had to do very limited practices because of COVID and didn't go to the game. And so I wonder if all those practices are catching up to areas like that, because even all the way around, even like Alabama and other areas, the offensive line is not dominant. So it's, I wonder if, if though that particular position is, is more impacted than others as far as development due to last year. Um, and also the quarterback play this year hasn't been the greatest. I mean, we've had more, we've had some good quarterbacks step up, but it's still, it's just a lot more 100, 200 yard passing games. I remember in college football. So 
I feel like that might be another area that, you know, I was surprised at this year. Um, as far as teams that have, um, you know, surprised me, um, I agree with Iowa State. Um, I, UCLA surprised me for a bit, but then they started falling back. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do as the season goes on. Um, I thought Chip Kelly was going to have this thing rolling by the end of the year, but I don't know if that's the case. It's because they, I just don't know if he has the right players. He still continues to recruit like one or two stars. And I think you, you're in UCLA. You should go out there and get some high three, high four star caliber players. So yep. one will see and watch that. Um, so let's jump into the predictions for the next um, five games, the top five games for next week. So guys, be prepared. It's an ugly slate of games the next two weeks. Um, and so we'll, we'll try to be here for you, take you through it. But, um, you know, we're not going to try to spruce this up. It's not a great week of college football coming up but it, you know those usually are the best weeks so let's start off first with lsu and Ole miss so lsu coming off their big victory over florida but also coming off firing at Oregon. Ole miss is coming up this you know that crazy situation tennessee matt curl may be out for this game so i don't know his backup situation there i don't know how the quarterback is backing him up so that could totally take the perception of this game and lsu could totally win if he's out my pick right now is Ole Miss 52 to 45. If Mackerel is out, I'm going to switch this to uh, probably like 45 to 38 LSU. So that's my caveat there. Jordan? I got Ole Miss 45 to 35. I just don't see LSU that great this year. They had to be Florida, but Florida, like we talked about earlier, their uh, quarterback situations all over the place. Um, so – I just don't see LSU being able to outscore an Ole Miss. An Ole Miss, like that, even without Matt Carroll, I just don't – I see their backup being a de- decent enough to actually do something against LSU. So I still got Ole Miss winning no matter what. All right, Ben. I've got Ole Miss winning this game no matter what, kind of like Jordan said. But the difference to me would be the amount of points. If, if, if Matt Corral is out, then instead of Ole Miss winning, say, 42 to 24, which is my prediction, I would drop it down to something like 27 to 24. I, I expect LSU to continue to be inconsistent. That's who LSU is. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the point that, that I think, Tony, you made on the podcast a week or two ago. They don't have a quarterback, and that's really been the thing that has haunted LSU throughout the decades. I mean, they've always had the talent. And if they ever have a quarterback who seems to know what they're doing, it really seems to just instantly put them in the national title conversation every, every single year. So they don't have that. I expect them to be inconsistent. I expect LSU to lose this game, whether Corral is there or not. um, It's just a matter of by how much. All right. Let's move on to Clemson at Pittsburgh. So I think I might be in a minority here, but I feel like Pittsburgh, they lost to Western Michigan, right? So I'm throwing that back out there. I feel like they have it, they haven't played a really good opponent. I don't think Clips is a really good opponent, but they're better than when they played. And so I see Clipson, you know, having a good defensive plan for Kenny Pickett. They have a really good defense coordinator. They pulled this one out in ugly fashion, 24 to 17. Jordan. I got Pittsburgh. I'm a Kenny Pickett guy. I got it's 32 to 21. I just don't see Clemson hasn't shown us this year that they're a team that can compete with uh, anyone that can score. Wise, I mean, they haven't. They've had one one blowout this year, and against uh, uh, SC State, who had a grad grad assistant quarterback. Um, other than that, I think 
and Pittsburgh has beat decent teams. They beat Tennessee. Um, they beat Virginia Tech, like we talked about. So, I mean, they've played decent teams, and Clemson's not by far not even close, one of the best teams in the ACC. So I got Pittsburgh uh, controlling this game early and the whole whole thing. All right, Ben, you agree? I think it's really close. This was a game I went back and forth on. There were two games I went back and forth on. This is one of them. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be ugly. I think you have Pittsburgh offense versus Clemson defense. I'm not sure how Clemson's going to score in this game. They haven't scored all year. Um, and the Clemson defense is good enough to slow Pittsburgh down, but I think Pittsburgh scores enough to win this game. So because they're in Pittsburgh, because the Clemson offense has just looked so pitiful this year, that they just can't even seem to muster up enough points to, to challenge some of these teams. I've, I've got Pittsburgh winning 24 to 20, but I, I do think it's super close. All right. Oregon and UCLA is next. So um, I went back and forth on this one, but I feel like I just don't feel like Oregon's going to be up for this game. And I feel like UCLA is going to score a lot of points. And I think they're going to pull out a, a close one, 35 to 32. What about you, Jordan? I got uh, UCLA. Um, they're at home. Um, UCS, UCLA is a better team than Cal. Oregon could barely compete or barely beat Cal. I think Oregon hasn't shown us since week one against Ohio State that they are a team that should be in the college football playoffs. And being at UCLA, uh, I got UCLA winning 32-24. And, I mean, I, I just don't see Oregon having a performance against this team. Yeah. All right. Ben, what about you, sir? This, this was the second game that I went back and forth on. So, Tony, you, you did a good job picking games that were tight here. Um, I've got Oregon up 31 to 30, but I, I think it's fascinating that we're actually talking about UCLA again this year as being a decent team. UCLA, along with Iowa State, are two, two teams that we've kind of just tossed by the wayside because at a certain point this year, they kind of disappointed us. But UCLA has crawled their way back in. Uh, they're looking pretty good. They're at home. I think they've got a very good chance to win this football game. If, if, you, if you're betting money, this is not the game to put it on because almost, because almost anything can happen here. Oregon could win by a blowout. UCLA could win by a blowout. It could be a very close game. Anything could happen here. I think a lot of it depends on I, – I think Oregon is great at running the football. I don't think UCLA is going to allow them to do that the whole game. So at some point in the game, Anthony Brown is going to have to step up and hit somebody at some point. And I don't know if that will or won't happen. That's kind of a coin flip, right? So I've got Oregon 31-30. to 30. All right. Uh, next up, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. So, um, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about my love of Iowa State to start the season. I got to go back to my guys. I, I feel like they're going to come out here and they're going to be able to score against this defense. And Oklahoma State is going to pull Iowa where they, they struggle to score in this game. And that's when they are able to come out here and win 23 to 20. Um, Iowa, Iowa State with the victory over Oklahoma State. Jordan, what about you, sir? Uh, I'm. I got Oklahoma State. Um, they just seem better, look better than Iowa State. Um, on paper, they're really close. I think it's going to be a lot closer than we're going to see. Um, but it's going to be. It, I say thirty-five to twenty-eight. I think it's going to be a touchdown or at least, like uh, Tony said, a field goal. I just think uh, Oklahoma State is 
a better team at finishing at the end than Iowa State is. All right, Ben, what do you think? Well, I love it. Just like I said about UCLA, I love it that Iowa State hasn't folded up the tents this season and gone home. They've crawled their way back into being significant. They're four and two. They're at home. They've got a chance to step it back up again and have an excellent season. They're actually, I think, a seven-point favorite. So Vegas likes Iowa State to win this game too. Now, I, I still like Oklahoma State better. I think they're the better football team. But I don't love Oklahoma State. I think that passing game at some point is going to catch up to them this year. It might be this weekend. I've got Oklahoma State winning 24 to 20. I really don't think Oklahoma State should be a top 10 team. Um, I kind of think they're a top 15 football team. But I, I, I like them better than Iowa State at this point. So that's what I've got, 24 to 20 Cowboys. All right. And for finally, I think the game of the week is USC and Notre Dame, um, the two rivals going at it after taking a year break. Um, so we'll see how this game goes, but I feel like, um, from what I've heard, it's going to be Jack Cohen again, a quarterback with Tyler Buckner coming in to, you know, run, to, run some plays as well. Kind of the combination of those two and the way the defense of USC has looked the last few weeks, they're just giving up a lot of yards, a lot of points to teams that are not as good as Notre Dame. So I feel like Notre Dame will run away with this a bit. USC probably scores a late touchdown or two. So I see this one being 35 to 21 Notre Dame winning Jordan. What do you say? I have Notre Dame as well. Um, glad to see this uh, rival, rival, the words are hard, rivalry back. Um, I Yeah, like you said, I don't see USC being able to compete with uh, Notre Dame. Um, I, I'm excited to watch, see how Jake uh, Cohen does this game. Um, but also, this is the first game back after Notre Dame lost their first home game in – I don't remember how many games, but I think it's 32-15. to 15. I think Notre Dame is going to handle their business and their defense is going to handle their business. All right. Ben, you agree? Yes. I've got Notre Dame 27-17. to 17. There's absolutely no reason they should lose this football game. Southern Cal is a mess. Now, having said that, Southern Cal is a very talented mess. Yeah. So just like we saw Texas A&M have the talent a week or so ago to set the table against Alabama, Southern Cal's got the talent to win this football game. And really, though, I think as long as no, – and I, I don't like to boil any game down to turnovers, but as long as Notre Dame doesn't get sloppy with the football, as long as they don't fumble a couple of times and throw a couple of picks, there's absolutely no reason Notre Dame should lose this football game. They're the better team. They're better organized. They're more consistent. I've got Notre Dame 27 to 17. All right. Let's move ahead to playoff predictions. So um, mine to stay the same. So I have Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So I don't see – I see those are pretty spot on. I don't see those changing. So, Jordan, anything changing on your end? Yeah. Iowa gets out. Um, Well, poor one out for Iowa. I have Georgia. Cincinnati, Ohio State. So for me, it's a toss-up between Alabama, Oklahoma. Um, and this, it'll all depend on um, conference championship. Uh, I could see two one-team, one-loss teams go in. If Alabama wins, beats Georgia in the conference championship, then I could see Alabama and Georgia getting in. If Georgia beats Alabama getting in, then it's going to be Oklahoma. Well, what if, what if Alabama wins over Georgia? They have one loss. 
Oklahoma runs the table, has no losses, wins the title. Would Oklahoma get in over Georgia that that case? No. I, I don't think the quality of wins Oklahoma has will over the quality of wins Georgia has, even with the one loss. Gotcha. All right, Ben, what about you, sir? What do you, who do you have in here? Okay, so I've got Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma. I still think Oklahoma and Ohio State are just razor-thin difference. We, we knew heading into that Ohio State five-week schedule, four cupcakes plus a bye, we knew the defense was going to look better. I still can't get it out of my head how horrible they looked for two weeks against Oregon and Tulsa. The, the defensive line looked weak. The secondary was confused and made mistakes the whole time. So we'll see. But I, Ohio State and Oklahoma, to me, flip a coin, see, see which side it lands on. If Alabama can beat Georgia, and I don't know that they can, but I'm not yet convinced that Georgia is invincible, I still think both Georgia and Alabama can get in. I think Cincinnati gets in, and I think you flip a coin between Oklahoma and Ohio State. We actually have a little bit more clarity now on these, on these playoff teams than we had two weeks ago. Everybody can kind of see what their path is, and they kind of, know, they kind of already know who they need to lose and what they need to do. So getting yep. more clarity there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can I can see Oklahoma, Ohio State coming down. They both win their championship. Well, they mm -hmm. you know again it's uh, Oklahoma with no losses versus Ohio State with a loss. It's gonna be a tough decision for the. But yeah. if Ohio State wins out, they're gonna be they're gonna be if they beat Penn State, that's a ranked team. Purdue might be ranked when they face them. Michigan State might be ranked when they face them. Michigan might be ranked. So that's four ranked teams right there against Oklahoma's barely scraped by against the Texas. I could see, and then Ohio State only losing to Oregon. I could see over. Honestly, if I really think about it, what I think will happen if all this, if all of like Oklahoma runs the table, Ohio State runs the table, Alabama, Georgia split, or, you know, they only have one loss. I think Cincinnati will be out. Honestly, I think that's what the committee will do. They're not going to punish their, their power five for a group of five who played a lot weaker schedule. Um, so honestly, I could see in that case, Cincinnati being the fifth team there. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Heisman. So I don't think I had any crazy updates other than the fact that um, I took um, Mackerel out and put Kenny Pickett in his place. I also can you forget? Um, I also have a you know so a notable mention. We talked about him earlier. Eastern Washington quarterback Eric Bebry. I don't know if he could even win this because it's he's in the FCS, but. Honestly, man, he's throwing so many yards for me touchdown. I just want to talk about him again. So that's, right. you know, I, I still think the favorites for me will be, um, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter. Um, those are the, the quarterbacks for winning teams. And I think that's going to matter down the road. So those are the three I'm still keeping my eye on. So Jordan, what about you? So I have, uh, you know, the same Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, um, Matt uh, Car Coral. Um, if he's not injured this week, He's going to be in it. Uh, if he takes this game off, he's out. Um, I, I still have uh, Kenneth Walker III. Uh, I have a just, – just like uh, the Eastern Washington quarterback, I have uh, Sean Tucker for Syracuse. Um, he's the second uh, most rushing yards uh, in college football behind Kenneth Walker. Um, every game this year he has over 100 uh, rushing yards. Um, he has nine touchdowns. So, I mean – He's on the Syracuse team. That's not great. So he's not going to be talked about that much, but I have him in there just to talk about him a little bit. All right, cool. 
good to hear see some of these new people in there. Just um, good to get their name out there. So, Ben, what do you got? Who you got this week? Now, I have all the same names you guys have. I, I have no argument with anybody we're putting out there. I, I'll just whine a, a little bit today for about the Heisman. Nobody has stepped up. I mean, absolutely nobody. We're seeing a lot of players with talent some of them from small teams, some of them from good teams, but nobody has stepped up. Usually by this time in the season, we have four or five guys that we're kind of having a conversation about with one or two guys in the lead. And this year, I don't like any of the candidates for Heisman, to be honest about it. I've seen many years where there were three different guys that you're like, man, I wish we could give a Heisman to each one of them. Every guy this year has either some kind of a blemish or some kind of a bad game or, or something that, that's, that, that you, you don't really feel comfortable giving them the Heisman. I will say this, Bryce Young for Alabama, even though he's not putting up huge numbers, it, it impresses me how smooth and how calm he is in the pocket. Almost too smooth and too calm. You, you almost wonder if he gets up in the game against Georgia, if he's not going to hang on to the ball a little bit too long because he looks so unbothered there in the pocket, even when people are pressuring him all around. But I am very impressed with, with his calmness in the pocket in spite of the fact that there are people getting pressure on him. All right. Well, all, all good picks. I think it's, you know, I, I agree with your point. Um, nobody's really went out of grab. There's still time. You know, I know people talk about Caleb Williams getting into it because nobody's really taking it. So, um, right. you know, we'll see. I think somebody, you know, this is the meat of the schedule coming up. There's rivalry games. There's conference games. This is when you win the Heisman in the next five weeks here. So let's, let's see if somebody steps up and, and wins that thing. So, um, all right, with that, um, that's the um, outlook for next week. And that's our podcast, guys. So uh, we bid you adieu, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.